This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Prime Time Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Canada's Only Money Show, dedicated to those of you 50-plus in your overall investment, tax, and estate planning, and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. And talking about growing your money, we have an excellent show planned for you today. We have Pat Somerville here. He's a senior partner with Hamilton ETFs. He's going to give us some guidance, you know, on what's happening with the banking sector in the United States, and can that... And those kinds of problems happen here in Canada. And then Justin Elliott's going to join us. He's from, uh, he's a portfolio manager at Caldwell Investment Managers. And what he's going to do is give, give us some ideas on where we should be looking for some value today. So given these kinds of markets, um, you have to take an approach where things are down. You got to find some value and find some ideas where you can, um, you know, get a company and get some stocks and get some in- investments where you're going to get some opportunity for some uh, growth here. This is the time of the, cycle that you want to be doing that. But first, we have, uh, you know, our tax return time is coming up. You're getting the slips in the mail. And the last couple of shows, I talked a bit about, um, you know, 10 tax tips that we've put together in terms of doing your 2022 tax return, the things you should be looking for. There's lots of items in there that you may not know about. And uh, if you'd like to go back, if you go on to primetimemoney.ca, go to our website, um, we have it posted there and you can find the information. Or just give Dominique a call now, 1-866-891-2637, and she'll email it to you today. So she'll get it to you right away. And, it, and if you go through this checklist of 10 things that we've talked about, and they're concerning around um, actually the filing of your tax return and the items you should be looking for and talking to with your uh, accountant um, right away. And just give her a call, 1-866-891-2637, and ask for the 10 tax tips for your 2022 tax return and we'll send it out right away. It's a quick checklist, and you just check them off before you hand in your taxes. And I, I'm sure it's going to give you some ideas on how you could save a little bit more money. You know, the big thing today is what's happening with the banking sector. And we talked about that at the beginning of the show. And how, is it going to affect us here in Canada? It's a big question that we're having. So stay right there, because um, Pat Somerville, who's a senior partner with Hamilton ETFs, is going to be here and explain all about that. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Prime Family. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino and Primetime Money. And joining us now is Pat Somerville. He's a senior partner with Hamilton ETFs. Hey, good morning, Pat. Thanks for joining us again here today. Hey, good morning, Richard. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. We, yeah, we're following your show regularly. Lots going on, so I'm sure this is of high value to people. <laughs> That's great to hear. You know, we really wanted you to have you on your show today because, you know, all kinds of uh, concerns in the United States with their banking and uh, financial services companies and, you know, what's happening with, uh, you know, some of the smaller um, regional banks there. You know, is that, is that kind of thing is, is stressing in the U.S.? Could that flow over to Canada? Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of volatility going on in the markets right now and um, a market reaction to what's happening with, with some of the, um, the banks in the United States. I think one key point to 
for people to keep in mind is that um, in terms of the mid-cap banking sector in the United States, there's about 500 publicly traded mid-cap banks. And so they're not all traded equal, right? And so um, one of the consequences of this rapidly changing monetary policy that we've seen is that you know, some of the banks that just haven't been managed well are, are running into some issues, right? And um, Silicon Valley Bank would be would be one of them. That's the one that's getting or that has gotten all the news. Um, um, so it's natural that within those 500, there's going to be some that will, um, you know, will do poorly. The Canadian banks are are completely different, right? Like they're now they're members of the global banking community. community so when confidence is just generally low in, in banks, um, they sell off on, on bad news. Um, but they would hold in a lot better than what the U.S. banks would. But we don't see this as um, uh, a systemic issue as it relates to the Canadian banks, and nor do we actually see it as a systemic issue for the U.S. banks. It's just a consequence of just having that many banks, and some just you know some will do well and, and, and some won't. Um, right. But the Silicon Valley Bank and a few of the other ones that you've heard about, they're, they're largely idiosyncratic in our opinion. Um, essentially, they ran into a period of time where the deposits doubled, um, you know, during the pandemic, mm. um, and they couldn't loan money out fast enough. And, um, you know, they weren't really well managed in the sense that they were, you know, you know taking some risk um, and ended up with about 50% of their balance sheet in, in marketable securities that took significant losses as uh, rates went up, right? And so... No, we like we the Canadian banks are, are are much better regulated. They have tons of capital. Um, you know, while some of them do have U.S. platforms, um, we don't see this as like a systemic issue related to the Canadian banks or or even in the U.S. for that matter. I would say. Yeah, well, that's great news. Um, so now, when you when you look at that and, and see what's happened, because people have you know different types of uh, managers rotated out, perhaps of financials and uh, banking stocks and. Sure. You know some individuals, so th- so they're down here now. Would you would you say that the valuations here are compelling to investors to take a look at? Yeah, I, as long as I think the key word is you know depending on the time frame of the investor, okay. um, you know you don't get these kind of valuations when you know it's all sunshine and rainbows. <clears throat> but right now, um, just to give you some context, the Canadian banks are trading at a eight and a half uh, times forward uh, PE, <clears throat> um, and so they've historically traded at you know, around 10 and a half or 11. <clears throat> so right now, I mean, you're, you're in what we call like a, an analyst versus market scenario. So the market or investors are placing a, a very heavy discount <clears throat> on what the analysts are estimating right now. And our view is that the analysts are actually being quite conservative. So they're, um, you know, they are actually estimating that loan losses for the Canadian banks um, are going to double this year um, to about $12 billion. Um, and, and, Right now, um, unemployment is is quite good in Canada, and so it's hard, you know, for for the for these multiples to go much lower. Our view is that you would need basically the analysts would need to be you know really wrong on this, and loan losses would have to go significantly above that twelve billion. And if you just use the last quarter results, so Q1 when the Canadian banks reported, I mean everyone knows loan losses are going up, um, just given the environment. Um, but you know the loan losses came in, and if you annualize that, you know over over the year they come in at around you know eight billion. So that's still below what the analysts are projecting. So um, our view is that these are you know compelling valuations for long-term investors. History has been very kind for investors who buy the Canadian banks or add to them um, at these levels, assuming that they can you know withstand some volatility because obviously there's lots going on right now, but. Um, when you have an oligopoly banking sector trading at those levels, um, unemployment still low, 
um, and rock solid dividends. Um, it's it's hard to bet against the Canadian banks over the long term. I would say. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I work for a bank, so um, you know, I see our business is, is is doing very well outside of you know what what could be potentially down the line there for some of these loans, but. You know, generally speaking, the, the the banking business is very strong. So for- yeah, I mean, you've got the chance of like some po- possible multiple expansion, right? If, if yeah. there's any good news, and we're not saying that's happening today or you know in a month, but you know, should there be any positive economic news, you know, you got some you know pretty significant room for you know some you know large multiple expansion from the group. I would say um, if and when you get that. Yeah, and when you look at this kind of environment too, when you have everything kind of uh, sagging here, you know. Um, the reason that we asked you to come on is talk about your Hamilton ETFs and the, the ones that are, you know, in the financial services. Instead of picking one company, which could have some extraordinary sure. situation, you can mm-hmm. get into get into the whole sector. So, like um, your uh, banking ETF, like tell us about it, and then uh, you know what does it pay in terms of dividends now? Yeah, so we have. Um, I would say there's there's two ETFs, uh, you know, with with our company um, that you know investors might want to um, take a look at. Um, if they're interested in the sector. Um, the first one um, is the ticker HCAL, H-C-A-L, the Hamilton Canadian Bank Enhanced ETF, or Hamilton Enhanced Canadian Bank ETF. Okay. Um, this is really for long-term investors, but it's the it's the top-performing Canadian bank uh, ETF since inception, since we launched it a couple years ago. Um, all it does is it, it has exposure to the big six Canadian banks, so it's diversified. Um, across the big six, um, and to your point, you know it's it's nice to have diversification rather than just picking one or two Canadian banks um, because, as you mentioned, anything can happen. Um, so this owns all six, and then what we do is we add a modest amount of leverage, so twenty five percent leverage to the portfolio um, to enhance the long term growth potential of the fund and also enhance the yield. So right now the yield on that is um, roughly seven percent. Um, so you get a yield enhancement than what you get otherwise from buying the you know owning the Canadian banks direct. You take on a little bit more volatility, obviously, when you when you add a little bit of leverage. But in our opinion, the leverage is what we call like the Goldilocks amount of leverage, in the sense that it has a very long, a very good long term compounding effect. Especially if you believe the Canadian banks, you know, will resume their you know normal return profile, which is generally high single digits, right? Um, and so, adding a little bit of leverage, compounding that over the long term, can really add up. And then obviously on the downside, if, if the Canadian banks are falling, um, HCAL would, would fall a little bit less. Um, but it's not enough to really permanently alter the risk-reward of the Canadian banks. It's just such a small amount. Um, and so interestingly, because it's so diversified, because it's in all big six, the volatility of HCAL is basically you know just slightly above the average of the big six. So it's not really any different than if you just you know bought national bank stock or BMO stock. The volatility profile is actually very similar, despite the leverage. Right. So that would that would be one I would say for people that can you know withstand a little bit of volatility and, and look out a couple of years. Um, if the Canadian banks do well, um, you know, coming off these, you know, if they, you know, have some multiple expansion um, over the next few years, um, HCAL should be better than or do better than each of the big six because of the, the modest leverage component. And then on the other side, for investors that maybe if they're either A, more uncertain as to where things are going, um, or if uh, yield is the number one driver um, for their investment decisions, we have a Canadian financials. Um, covered call ETF. Uh, the ticker is HMAX. Um, and all this does is it, it's a portfolio of the 10 largest financials in Canada. So it would have the banks and the insurers. And then we have a covered call strategy on the portfolio 
we write cover calls on about 50% of the fund. Um, we do at-the-money options, um, and we can generate um, a yield. The yield on HMAX right now is about 13 or 14%. Wow. Now, the catch to this fund, though, so that's, you know, we, we think we can healthily generate those premiums from the cover calls. Um, but the, the negative part of this fund, I would say, is if investors think that the banks are going to do well over the next few years, because of, you know, cover calls just don't keep up in rising markets, right? Because you get called away, the option strategy caps your upside. So I would say this one would be more just for income investors, that monthly income is very important, or if they think that the banks are going to be flat, you know, or in a sideways market over the next few years, then a strategy like this can outperform because you get some additional premium income um, rather than just, you know, owning the Canadian banks direct. And it would perform a little bit better if the banks fell from here um, because you get a bit of a buffer from the additional yield source from the cover calls. Well, those are two great ideas, Pat. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. I know you're real busy and yeah, uh, giving us a couple ideas here. You know, it's 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 a big concern because I, I think a lot of the listeners would have some participation in the bank. So yeah, they, well, we they appreciate would that. We're going to be posting um, a more like um, in depth um, discussion on what's going on in the banking sector uh, next week. We're going to do a video, so for people who are interested in our thoughts, we're going to um, we'll probably be posting that on our insight section of our website at hamiltonetfs.com. Um, we have a very active commentator uh, commentating section on uh, on the Canadian banks and the global financials that we regularly update. So it's a good place to follow us there. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah. Pat, you take care. Okay, Richard. All have right. a good day. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Pat Somerville. He's a senior partner with Hamilton ETFs. Member commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual funds and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Hamilton ETFs. Okay, the markets in the United States have been dragging here. But when you look at it, should you be running away or should you be taking a look for some deals? That's called value investing. Stay right there. We're going to find out with Justin Elliott of Caldwell Investment. I'm Richard Infantino and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money and joining us now is Justin Elliott. He's the Portfolio Manager with Caldwell Investment Management. Hey, good morning, Justin. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us here today. Hey, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Last time you were on, we talked about uh, you know dividend growth stocks, and you know in this show we talk about it all the time, of course. So, what I wanted to ask you today is, like, in given this environment and what's happening, and the volatility that we have, how's the current environment going for dividend stocks? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, something we kind of ask ourselves every day, and um, I think maybe just to touch on a key point about dividend growers, one of the things that help them perform so well over time is the fact that they do tend to be industry leaders and so they benefit from the underlying market growth um, and then they also benefit from market share gains within that industry and so uh, you know dividend growers do tend to have very strong management teams that are focused on disciplined capital allocation uh, a lot of times we find that means they have very clean balance sheets um, and they're they're cash flows are in order basically to make sure that they can sustain their dividend, that they can continue to grow the business. And so with the rapid increase in interest rates that we've seen over the last year, a lot of companies whose balance sheets weren't so clean have really seen a big impact from these higher rates. And so we are seeing um, 
a preference for for quality factors this year so far, and dividend growth is one of those factors. And again, you'll you'll see investors kind of gravitating towards those companies that are a little bit more well run, um, that have a safe dividend. Because if your debt is is over leveraged uh, and you're you're short on cash, the dividend oftentimes can be something that companies look to cut, um, you know, to shore up their balance sheets or pause. So. Uh, yeah, again, that's that's a reason why we think we've seen quality really outperform so far this year. Yeah, it's that's great to hear. Um, now you run a fund there; it's called the uh, Caldwell U.S. Dividend Advantage Fund. How is that different than other all the other dividend funds that are out there? Yeah, so um, we take a unique approach, and we're combining momentum investing with uh, bottom-up fundamental analysis. And so the strategy is really leveraging what we've done on the Canadian side. Um, but on often overlooked U.S. dividend-paying stocks. And so we tend to run more of a concentrated portfolio, so sort of um, anywhere from sort of 20 to 30 stocks and, and more of a mid-cap focus as well. Um, very high active share, and so we often look much different than the index or even your typical dividend fund. Um, and we've also got a very high turnover and total return focus um, and so when we look around, we're not really seeing a lot of competing products that kind of offer that similar approach. And we like to think of our product um, under this kind of core satellite model. And so we think that the U.S. Dividend Fund is a great complement to your sort of core or more balanced portfolio by offering um, an attractive income stream with the capital appreciation potential that you might not find in your typical dividend fund. Yeah, that's what we're looking for, you know, the, those kinds of ideas. And I know you got a couple here for us. Tell us about a couple of the stocks that are inside of your um, portfolio now that are very timely. Yeah, so uh, just given the environment that we're in right now, um, we tend to be a little bit more cautious. Um, a theme we like, you know, is the trade-down theme. So consumers getting squeezed and, and looking for uh, more value. But we also like companies that are exposed to government spending and fiscal stimulus that will hold up better during a downturn. So one of the companies is Qantas Services, um, and they are basically a, a leading engineering and construction company, um, but they've got a much lower risk profile than a lot of their peers. And they cater to a lot of the utility companies that are looking to basically harden and strengthen their grids from a lot of the natural disasters that we've seen, um, particularly in the southern U.S. states. And so they do a lot of the more ongoing uh, maintenance and repair projects that tend to be stickier, um, that have price clauses. So, you know, when inflation goes up, they're allowed to recoup some of their costs uh, and tend to hold up pretty well in a downturn as well. Um, but we're also seeing on the growth aspect, uh, a lot of investment in, you know, electric vehicle, um, charging infrastructure, mostly, um, sorry, I should say mostly just building out the grid um, and making it more resilient. And so we're seeing a lot of uh, demand on that front, but we're also seeing telecoms, for example, building out their 5G infrastructure. So we think this is a very solid company. They've got a lot of good growth uh, runway ahead of them, and they're in some key markets that we think maybe hold up a little bit better in, in a weaker economic environment. And so um, that's one of the names we like. Another name would be Comfort Systems USA. And so they do a lot of the electrical and mechanical systems um, in commercial buildings. So you can think of your HVAC systems, um, your refrigeration, your heating and cooling. And so this is a company as well that has a lot of exposure to some strong growth markets right now. We're seeing in the States a lot of reshoring activity, um, industries like semiconductors, pharmaceutical supply chains, 
um, just general manufacturing, people looking to uh, bolster their supply chains and, and build a little bit more resiliency. And so these guys have a very strong backlog of projects that's grown significantly over the last couple of years. Uh, and, and this is a company too where, you know, they have great relationships with a lot of their customers, sometimes uh, as much as, you know, multi-decade relationships. And so they're able to really price to their value that they're offering. Um, they're able to recoup some of their costs. Uh, but not only that, they have a great reputation. And so when, when companies are coming into these markets and they're asking for references, referrals, who are the number one people to go to, well, comfort system comes uh, top of mind. And so, um, again, a lot of good tailwinds going on for this company, and um, it's something that we like. Yeah, those are two great ideas, Justin. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no and, Thanks for having me up. Yeah, and a lot of continued success there with the Caldwell U.S. Dividend Advantage Fund. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Okay, take care. All right, thanks. Okay, that was uh, Justin Elliott. He's a portfolio manager with Caldwell Investment Management. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. And this show is sponsored in part by Caldwell Investments. Okay, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, Our next in-person seminar is coming up on Wednesday, April the 12th, and it's going to be in Mississauga at Oasis Convention Center. It runs from 12 noon to 2 p.m. And we actually have three speakers. I'm going to speak on uh, financial planning we have the folks from Templeton Funds going to talk about global markets. And uh, we also have Peter Karasopoulos, who is our estate planning specialist. He's going to talk about intergenerational wealth transfer and estate planning. So topics like considering a, an insured annuity, choosing a power of attorney, which we feel is very important today outside of even choosing an executor, how to reduce your estate settlement costs. And then appointing an estate monitor. You've talked about estate executors, but what's an estate monitor? He's going to explain all that. And then the main topic is uh, called intergenerational wealth transfer, where he's talking about different types of strategies of transferring money from your estate to your adult children and to your grandchildren. So it's very important, and it's uh, really interesting in terms of the strategies that he has put together to reduce the taxes and reduce all the costs associated with all that. So if you're... For all of you out there that's interested in the estate planning, come on out and join us. It's a complimentary luncheon seminar. Just give Dominique a call, 1-866-891-2637. You can call her now, uh, 1-866-891-2637. And Dominique will give you all the directions and details to our seminar. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next week right here at Primetime Money. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.